and welcome to Notes from an Imaginary Place. I'm Rudy Dorneman, and this is a podcast of stories set in imaginary places, fantastical places. And this month's place, this month's architectural feature, is a folly. Here we go. Folly. Deep in the deepest woods, with no trail leading to its door, or even passing within sight, stands a contradictory building. The walls are trellis work, keeping neither light nor air out or in, while the windows are so thickly adorned with jewels that you can barely see through them. There are flying buttresses fashioned from spider webs in a lacework pattern, so light they couldn't hold up a breath. Above is a canopy thatched from black feathers, extravagant, certainly, but more practical than most of the rest of the construction, since it does keep the rain off. Who comes here? No one comes here. Which is why it's so popular. All day and much of the night, people sneak to the folly, alone, occasionally in pairs or even small groups. Once, a couple dozen, toting some kind of ritual apparatus, but they seemed nervous and slunk back into the trees after a couple minutes. All people who'd never admit to even knowing the place exists, walking in with careful steps to avoid snapping twigs or rustling leaves as they navigate the pathless woods. Coming and going, they try to avoid seeing each other. And if they do happen to glimpse a familiar face through the open walls while they're waiting for the place to be left unoccupied, they make sure never to mention it. Departing, they're careful to obscure the increasingly worn paths under fresh layers of dry leaves and unsnapped twigs. The prevailing culture in this region is resolutely practical, which may be why the people here find the folly so irresistible. They have to visit once to prove to themselves that it really exists. Then their memories nag at them until they come back to confirm that, yes, they remembered right, The doors really are immovable sections of wall painted to look like doors. The cellar windows really are the only way in. Even though none of them would admit to having been there, few can resist slipping little details into conversation, things that would only be picked up by other people who have visited the folly. The people who've been there might give a tiny nod or wrinkle the corners of their eyes in suggestion of a smile. Meanwhile, People who haven't been there tend to sense that something is going on and become all the more curious, all the more likely to finally sneak out there some night. The accountant had never really understood the folly. She couldn't see the value in only having one part of a structure be properly functional. If the building was meant to be usable, it should have been usable from chimney top to cellar floor. If it was meant to be purely whimsical, she'd said it more than once. The roof should be shingled with clouds, which would bring their own rain into the building, have snakes for a foundation, which would keep the walls from ever settling, or be tiled with bees, which would instantly buzz away in a hundred directions. The accountant's friends tended to change the subject as soon as they could. For someone who was outwardly so unsympathetic with the idea of the folly, she seemed to have put a lot of thought and imagination into how to improve it. 
and she was skirting awfully close to either saying outright that she'd been there, or asking them if they had. One time the accountant visited the folly, four people stood beside the building, looking as if they'd been waiting for someone. She'd been confident that she'd be alone, and had already stepped into the clearing. The four had clearly seen her. She couldn't just turn around and disappear. They handed her a mask and a pair of gloves, just like they were all wearing. The mask was a sheet of paper with eye holes and a string. The paper was printed with a photograph of tree bark, apparently to help them fade into the woods if someone stumbled on their activities. The gloves had very fine teeth along the inner edges of the fingers and palm. They also gave her a ladder. Once she'd climbed up, she saw what the others were doing and imitated them, reaching out palms down and pulling her hands down the roof. The feathers seemed to tug at the comb edges of the gloves as she moved. It was peaceful. The slow, repeated motions. The soft sound of felt on feather. She'd shifted her ladder twice to get at different parts of the roof before it occurred to her that they were zipping the barbs of the feathers together, keeping the roof waterproof. Her work days in the counting house were colored by her memories of that roof feather work. As she moved her pen up and down columns of figures, as she pushed the beads up and down on her abacus, her muscles felt the ghost motion of pulling the barbs together felt the faint but steady resistance of the disorder being combed out of the feathers. She moved through the business district, and the buildings around her generally made sense, although she started seeing small exceptions, architectural mistakes, builders' foibles, things that should have been fixed but somehow never were, windows that could only be opened a fraction of an inch, Cement that hadn't been cured properly and was crumbling now into gravel. Doors that always stuck. These things were rare, and the proportion of what did and didn't make sense was reversed from the folly. But the folly felt increasingly normal, while everything else felt more and more like places put together with a subtly ironic sense of whimsy. She visited the folly in the pre-dawn twilight every week or two, put her hands through the trellis walls, looked at how the scant light glittered off the completely opaque windows, walked well around the nearly invisible buttresses and shimmied in the cellar windows. It was quiet. She was calmed by finding all the wrongnesses right where she'd learned to expect them. Back in the city, the walls of her apartment building were too solid, too heavy, and the air within them never seemed to move. The office tower glass windows were too reflective from the outside and offered too clear a view from the inside. Every load-bearing wall and every door was exactly what it told the world it was. When she went up to one of the rooftop observation decks, the expressions on the gargoyles were insipid, too exactly how she'd expect a gargoyle to look. In the middle of one afternoon, she abandoned her abacus and ledgers and made her way by familiar secret paths to the folly. She found the feather work in progress and joined in. When a summer storm caught them, 
she was so lost in the soothing motions that the others had to tug at her trouser legs to get her to come down off the ladder. A curtain of rain spilled from the roof edge, but the folly was dry inside. They'd done their job well. Their paper masks were wet, clinging to their faces. She could see that the others were smiling, feeling the same warm tingling from their hands to their elbows as she did. It's time, she said, and not in a whisper. We need to do more than maintain. We need to start building. More follies. Out in the open. Everywhere. Inexplicable towers. Paradoxical pavilions. Houses for happenstance and the unforeseen. Homes for new lives. One by one, the others removed their masks and then they started to plan. So that was this month's story, Folly. Thank you, as always, for joining us on Notes from an Imaginary Place. And I hope you'll come back next month for another story and another imaginary place. Thanks. Thanks.